Truck it. I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. Hey, good Monday afternoon, everybody from the heart of Freight Alley. What a weekend of football, huh, Dooner? Hey, what happened in Alabama? Hey, man, they let that they let AM hang around too long, man, before they decided to play football, I think is what happened. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Well, hey, today marks the 300th, my 300th episode yes. of What the Truck. I joined the show here. April 26, 2019. It was episode 65. We're now at episode 365. Take you on a brief tour of the history of what the truck. Let's right? do it. Special day yeah, today, man. Episode awesome. one, right? It dropped March 9th, 2018. It was hosted by Chad Prevost and uh and John Paul Hampstead. That's right. They That's had right. run with the show all the way up until that aforementioned April 26, 2019 episode when I joined along with Chad Prevost. At the same time, we expanded the show to two days a week. Yeah. We made our Freight Waves TV debut on July 9th, 2019 was our first one. You joined the show, of course, episode 160, which was March 13th, 2020. October 2020, yeah. the What the Truck newsletter started. January 13th of this year, we went to three days a week. And just about a week ago, you celebrated your 200th episode. I did. Which, it goes so fast, doesn't it, man? 300, it dude. They zoom right by. That's amazing. And here Boom. we are today. Here we are with the port. We started, you came on right at the beginning of the pandemic, and we've still been going through, and we're seeing the results of all that now. Today, we're going to be talking about yeah. the port of Los Angeles in Long Beach. We're going to get an update from one of the workers on the ground. You've seen his images and his videos. It's Geo Mars from Cargomatic. He's going to be on. He's going to tell us what he's seeing this week down there. We got Leslie Hensel. She's the co-founder of Riverbed Consulting. They are an, they are an Amazon seller and vendor consulting group she'll get us up to speed on what you need to know retailers need to know this holiday season and what they have to deal with rules at amazon getting ever so stringent yeah and the difficulties you can run into if you don't follow them right i mean that's that's the thing you need somebody to tell you what brian runnels vice president of safety or reliance partners he'll be with us he's live from the national tank truck carriers conference in dallas he's getting back out there on the beat and also we have trent broberg ceo of assertus he'll tell us what moving cars tells us about moving the supply chain those two have been ever so connected mm -hmm. let's tip the band now though autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today contact locomation at tell them dude hey go to locomation.ai for turnkey solutions immediately after this show headlines All right, what's in the news today? Inbound container, inbound container staying elevated into 2022. Congestion limiting larger gains. Yeah. So, so much freight, but a lot of problems because of it. Todd Maiden here reports the National Retail Federation expects imports to the nation's, to the nation's largest retail container ports to continue at a high clip through at least February in its Thursday update. The group said its uh, forecast would have been even higher, but congestion capacity and labor headwinds are limiting the throughput. That's right. Final numbers for August didn't produce a new monthly record. As expected, the ports tracked by the NRF handled 2.27 million 20-foot equivalent units in August. 
That's up 3.5% sequentially and 7.8% year over year. That was tied, though, for the second biggest biggest month in the data set's 20-year history. Yeah, exactly. It may produce the highest monthly uh, throughput on record at 2.33 million TEUs. Congestion and bottlenecks were the reason for the August shortfall. Ben Hackett, founder of Hackett Associates, says, just when we thought things couldn't get any worse with the logistics supply chain, we've been proven wrong. Yeah, a little shade thrown out there, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Further, the high level of consumer spending and retailers still catching up on the pull forward of inventory has the NRF calling for the current dynamic to remain in place through at least February it's uh, last month that it's even forecasted. So it's just looking at Chinese New Year. They're not really sure what's going to happen beyond yeah. that. I know that a lot of different speculators and economists are now looking all the way to 2023. Yeah, we keep moving that line in the sand. We talked about that before. It just keeps going further and further out. And here we are again. Just keep going. U.S. intermodal rail traffic softens in September on supply chain woes. So all this stuff starting to become interconnected here. Joanna Marsh reports supply chain congestion continued to dampen U.S. intermodal rail traffic in in September, sending overall volumes lower for the month, according to the Association of American Railroads. Yeah, the AAR Senior uh, Vice President John T. Gray said Wednesday, rail intermodal volume is clearly not what it has been and could be keeping intermodal terminals functioning smoothly and at a full capacity depends on consistent freight outflows to make room for new freight inflows. Unfortunately, due to limited availability of downstream truck and warehouse capacity, that's not happening right now with predictable impacts on rail intermodal volume. Yeah, and our Vice President for Supply Chain and Customs Policy, Jonathan Gold, he had this to say. He says the cargo is there for larger gains at several ports, but congestion uh, issues are impacting fluid operations. Ships will eventually get unloaded, but the pressure is on for everyone to work together to get the containers out as quickly as possible. So the infrastructure is really, really tapped here. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's what it, you're, you're not looking at anything coming down. We're not hitching new, hitting new highs because there's less demand. It's just, hey, the valve is tapped, man. It's yeah. full. Can't get any more through it. And now that, as that link on the, the chain gets tugged, you're starting to see it ripple through in the, the sure. intermodal area as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, well, so we heard the ports say it, uh, you know, a terminal or two opening up 24 hours. Well, Biden administration is pushing shippers and carriers to expand their operating hours. That's right. Big box retailers and their rail and truck partners are the next targets of, a, of more round-the-clock operating um, operations that they want having go, gone on here. That's what the Biden administration is pushing for here. John Pocari, he, t- he was tapped in August by President Joe Biden as port envoy to the Administration's Supply Chain Disruptions Task Force, who is looking into all this stuff. They told a meeting of exporters on Thursday that over the next 90 days, he will work to expand the operating strategy that began in September at the nation's largest container port complex. That's right. The ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach made the first move by having longer gate hours and saying, we're open for business. Porcari told attendees at the Agricultural Transportation Coalition's annual conference. Porcari went on to say, we are now working on the rest of the supply chain, including the railroads, trucking, and the major customers who you all know, like the Walmarts, FedExes, Home Depots, etc., to make commitments to operate 24-7 as well, because the off-peak capacity is what can use right now to fix what is very serious problem. Yeah, he went on to say, all of, all of those should be reflected in the state freight plan. Sounds like we should get one of those, right? Yeah, sounds like it. 
because uh, one, <laughs> one of the things Sign we think over the long term that will make a difference is better state freight plans that lead to capital project investments in both the private and public sector. Um, I haven't heard a ton about these state freight plans. So no, me like neither. we mentioned there, good thing to get the, these initiated. Yeah, it sounds, sounds good. Let's do that. Let's get us one of those. Maybe two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in times like this. And like we mentioned, uh, we spoke about intermodal and all this volume and what's going on at the ports a little bit earlier. We're going to have Geo Mars from Cargomatic on at the port in a little bit. He's going to tell us all about what's going on there. But before we do, let's get over to Trent Broberg. He's the CEO, CEO over at Assertus. And uh, Assertus, I understand, Trent, it's kind of like Uber without passengers, right? Yeah, that's uh, part of our business. Absolutely. More of a gig economy, jumping into a car, delivering it or picking up from a home or, or a business. Absolutely. Well, Trent, how's the, how's the day treating you today? It's been, uh, especially in that automobile space. I mean, I was driving by some dealerships over the weekend and uh, stock was, uh, was not in stock, I should say. Oh, is that right? Dealership inventories are down 75% since highs in 2019. So that is exactly what you're seeing. I'll tell you today is I'm in St. Louis. I had a chance to watch your podcast from Friday and and just just checked out Netflix's bot movie that they put together. So I had a pretty entertaining morning. <laughs> there's several of them out there i shot you that one about the comedian one about oh, i forget what it was anyways but those things are hilarious man so let's let's get into yeah. this a little bit about this let's get into the vehicle shortage etc right because they're way down we just had a friend a, a mutual friend of ours who uh, turned in a, a vehicle and actually got more money than he paid for it wow yeah so there's a lot of different indices out there that you can kind of take a look at like i mentioned the new car inventories are down 75 percent used cars year over year Pricing indices show up 30%. So to your point, if you've got an, a new or, or a slightly used vehicle, you know, you can probably trade it in for more than you paid for it. Uh, same is true with le- off-lease vehicles. I talked to one OEM that said they received 11% of their off-lease vehicles that they typically would see in a cycle. So 89% of consumers are keeping those vehicles, either selling them on the open market or just retaining possession of them. Well, wow. aside from keeping my own vehicle, how do I outsmart the uh, capacity crunch? I think that's what everybody's trying to to figure out. Well, from your perspective, and you know, we've we've heard about the chip shortages, we've heard about cars throughout this almost this entire pandemic. So, you've had a decent category to watch this whole time. Yeah, it's been interesting. The auto logistics place very similar to the freight space. Obviously, rates are up. Uh, a lot of freight or asset-based players are having to increase their pricing wages up 30% year over year. Some are expecting another 30% on top of that, just wages, and obviously rates uh, go along with that. From a services perspective, obviously, we're a logistics provider, and we're trying to match the right equipment with the right vehicles at the right time. What's nice about what we can do is, you know, we're pooling 7,000 carriers, everybody from a a flatbed operator to a nine-car carrier, and trying to get them the most value out of their equipment that we can possibly get them. They're, they're, you know, one side of the uh, marketplace equation for us. So, Trent, talk to me about that flexibility there in the uh, inventory of capacity that you have, right? You have, so you have large carriers, you have single carriers, and you have what you described as the Uber without passengers, which are those guys and gals that are driving those cars, you know, long distance and so whatever to make those deliveries of single vehicles. How important is it to have that type of uh, flexibility in this business right now? Yeah, it's been fantastic. There's a huge growth in, in the e-commerce channels with OEMs and remarketing or used cars, dealerships, uh, and online marketplaces. So what we're doing is trying to match up the right capacity. That could include you and I getting in a car and delivering it to each other's houses or uh, obviously procuring our capacity marketplace to to bring in um, and haul these vehicles. 
So it's just understanding which one's right for which scenario, um, given a long haul, short haul or medium haul uh, situation, and then the customer requirements. Sometimes we're, we're delivering white glove uh, service to our customer's customer, which is on their driveway or picking up from a, a business location. Well, one of the reasons for these bottlenecks is a vehicle part shortage. So if you're out there trying to repair a vehicle, you may not be able to, so you're trying to get a new one. Uh, because you can't get a new vehicle, you might be trying to repair one, and that's where you're really seeing the brunt of what's going on with the, par- with the part shortage. How, what are the challenges in that space right now? Yeah, before you, the challenges, uh, they're, they're pretty vast. I mean, they're logistics. Uh, they're what we're solving for. It's what our industry, it's what you guys and your customers are solving for on a regular basis. But what's really interesting, I talked to a few OEMs that are contemplating on shipping cars and delivering to vehicles or delivering to consumers with vouchers for a future chip. So as long as the chips <laughs> don't, um, don't mitigate any, any risk or, secure, or you know, security or safety issues, um, they're going to be shipping cars with a voucher for a future dated chip uh, probably in 2022, I suspect. Wow. So you like you're going to get a car where that doesn't have like an eight way seat adjustment for the driver yet because you're waiting for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait till, wait till you want to yeah, come I mean, I There's live, an IOU. Hold uh, on to that for you. <laughs> that's right. I live in, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I was on a car hunt and they said you can't find any cars with air conditioned seats, which is a nice thing to have in Phoenix, Arizona in the summertime. So it'd be a prime example of that. Yeah. Wow. So there's other things that you guys do as well in inside the, the spaces, making sure that there are uh, uh, you've, you've got the right, right credentials, et cetera. I imagine that's part of the issue that's going on right now as well. Right. When you talk about low capacity, there's an argument between no capacity or inefficient use. How do you help with that efficiency? Yeah, well, we touch we'll touch uh, over a million and a half VINs this year. So when you look at the scale, obviously, that we can present to our customers, whether it's uh, like you mentioned, the gig economy, the driver getting in the vehicle and doing the delivery service or, or a carrier or a Thailand registration work or any combination of those, including storage. You know, we're trying to just build a more efficient, you know, network, um, much like the freight environment has done, you know, five or six years ago and continues to do and will always continue to advance. We're doing a very similar process here to service where we're just trying to provide the best value to our customers. Some of that's based on price. Uh, the automotive logistics industry is more sensitive to SLAs typically than the freight environment. So the, the time it takes you to pick up a, a vehicle off of a lot is very important at times where there's not a lot of lot space. So sending a driver in there to pick it up within the hour and two hours or deliver it to one of our 55 storage, uh, storage and regional office locations across the U.S. really helps our customers in the speed of the delivery and the pickup side of it. Do you guys ever look into any of the, the unique sourcing options that, that automotive affords, like auctions and, and, and things like that? And how, how heated is that market becoming when you can't find the new inventory and you can't find the parts? Yeah, it's been interesting. So there's a big dynamic shift in, one, e-commerce, but also going into the, the digital marketplaces. And what you're seeing is a longer length of haul, more stops for carriers. So typically they'd go into a, a brick and mortar auction and they'd pick up nine cars and head out where now it's uh, the digital auction uh, locations or digital marketplaces that you have out there with car gurus and ACV and, and uh, true car and cars.com and all these other marketplaces out there that are onesie twosies. So where typically you have a nine car and one stop. Now you've got three stops and three cars. 
So being able to balance with a lot of machine learning that we're implementing today with our data sciences group and understanding routing and, and being prescriptive and offering to those carriers, we're really just trying to help the carriers uh, get the wheels moving, which gets them earning, and then get home so they can see their families. Uh, very simple philosophy, very pragmatic, but very hard to, to implement. Yeah, so with that type of stuff, you're 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 running more uh, milk runs, I guess you would you would call them in in the car space, right? Three three stops instead of one stop, so those costs are going through the roof as well, right? Yeah, we've got a hub and spoke model uh, here, which is very unique in our marketplace. I think we're one of the only, few, if not the only, um, you know, logistics provider that has a network. So we've got these 55 locations um, domestically and in Canada where we're Picking up, storing, dropping off, moving, consolidating, deconsolidating, uh, much like an LTL or a port operation would would work uh, across the U.S. So we're you know trying to provide that flexibility for our carrier network. Um, maybe they can haul nine. Maybe they can. Maybe it's a hot shot with a wedge trailer and they can haul three cars. And then on top of that, with our product and technology advancements, we one of the really neat things that we've been able to launch is a, a platform this year. Um, that includes book now or auto dispatch and our carriers are able to go on to our platform and book their own loads 24 seven, 365. And we're North of 40% of all of our orders are now automatically dispatched and serviced to our carrier network. It's a really not proud moment for the, for the team and, and really nice experience for the, for the carriers. Cause they're not having to call or email or wait. Oh, absolutely. I love the efficiency over there too. Sure. Uh, Trent, people who want to tap into that and then they want to use some of your secrets today to unlocking capacity as we enter this, uh, this I, I guess you can't even call it more of a peak season, I guess just peak <laughs> season on top of peak season. Um, <laughs> where do I send them to? A disrupted season, let's call it that, or some sort of digital transformative season. Uh, looking at uh, certusdelivers.com, that's your best location to grab us. Always open to, to reaching out to me. Uh, anytime, and and we're here to help in any way we can. I mean, a rising tide lifts all ships. Thank you, so much. Thanks, Trent. Indigenous People's Day. <laughs> no, it's a there slow day. It's a Columbus Day. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You know what? Let's take a trip over to the port. I can't help but see that container sitting right behind him. It's Geo Mars. He's Director Carrier Relations and Drayage Operations over at Cargomatic. He is uh, right there on the firing line. Geo, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's a pleasure to be here on your show. Man, I've been seeing all the pictures you've been sharing on LinkedIn and your Instagram, and we've thank you for letting us use some on the show. I've been seeing the videos and everything, and it just seems like every day you go into work, it gets even more challenging than the day before it. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, pretty much, I think one of my favorite phrases uh, now that I picked up here at Cargomatic, it's bending steel season, right? So it's virtually impossible. We're doing the possible to, to just keep cargo flowing. So That's, that's amazing. That's so you know, when I see is when I see your videos out there, Gio, and they see your videos out there, I can't imagine this line of people like cheering because somebody's coming out with an actual container, like "Woo, he actually got one!" Right? <laughs> you know, that type of stuff. Oh. <laughs> so, like crossing the finish line when you finally get through that nine-hour wait or however long it is. It's it's insane. Uh, so, actually, I've been behind the wheel. I, I know what it takes, um, and that's why I talk a lot about a broken system or an outdated system because. Um, it's not it's not unusual for a truck driver to spend six to eight hours at a terminal trying to outgate a, a load, right? So definitely right now it's historically it's been insane. Uh as you see, there's a cash shortage. It's real it's real difficult for us to 
terminate empties. There's no empty receiving availability at the at the ports. Uh, so it's virtually impossible to to outgit a load. You know, so that's why we're seeing all this congestion. Um, I like to point out. In my opinion, there is no trucker shortage. I, I strongly believe that there is no trucker shortage. It's just everything else that's disrupting the the industry that's making it, you know, that's making all this congestion day in and day out. Now, Gio, for people who aren't familiar with the, the port, how is that supposed to run? Now, we just saw the images and the videos of, of trucks lined up. We didn't see uh, really any chassis. I don't think I saw yeah. a single chassis in any of those pictures no. or those videos. No. I saw some guy pulling a container with a rope in a pickup truck. But how is that supposed to run in good times? You know what? It, it's just it, it's difficult to have an actual turn turnaround time um, in the ports. But ideally, if you were to bobtail in, uh, you want to find a chassis at the chassis pit, right? And you go to your to your location at the port. They mount the container, and then you're heading to the outgate. Uh, a lot of times, you go through a roadability, and then you outgate with your load, right? And that's when you you know you're you're done with your with your loadout. But you know, there's there's in the past when I was behind the wheel, I've done twenty minutes, thirty minutes um, on a good day, and it's very doable to get in and out within an hour, but now it's it's insane. There's guys going through first shift trying to land the chassis, and they'll stay, you know, into the second shift. It's very it's very common for a guy to stay late into the night to just take one load out. So do you talk back up a second and, and talk about that for a second? The chassis pit that you talk about. There's a lot of people here who have no clue what you just said. Right. I mean, they think they're just going in there and they just plop down a container. Talk about that. What, what is the chassis pit? How do you get a chassis from there? You walk in with a voucher and they give you one. What, what, what's going on there? Oh, no, no, no. So we have a port pool chassis. Right. So um, every terminal, for the most part, will have a designated area. We name the chassis pit and you go there and you try to land a good, decent chassis. Right. That, you know, it's been through its BIT inspection. Uh, the wheels, uh, the tires are all good. The pins are functionally working, landing gear, the lights. Um, you know, you don't want to run into the, any issues exiting the terminal through roadability. And once you're out on the road, you don't want to get pulled over by CHP. But so the, the chassis pit is a designated area. Uh, long as it's a port pool chassis, right? A support own chassis, you're able to that chassis out. Um, so that's what, what, that's what your chassis pit is. But as you can see in all the pictures and videos, they've been dry, uh, no chassis in the chassis pit, obviously. And it's, it's a situation that hasn't happened overnight. Uh, you know, if I, if I, if we're keeping it real here, it's, uh, something that's been going on for at least over a year. So a year and a half, uh, here locally at the ports, we had a joke, an inside joke amongst truck drivers. Uh, we, we just had the new Daryl Desmond bridge built. The mm. last year or so, and we yeah. were we were we were claiming that the chassis were used to build this new bridge out here. So oh. <laughs> they hacked them. They, well, they melted them down for the steel. I like. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I like the joke, Geo. So hey, tell us a little bit about. So one of the things that a lot of Dre drivers reached out to me after they heard Jeans Roger from the port. You say that 30% of drivers hadn't had been missing their appointments and they kind of, you know, they were like, well, one of the reasons is because we can't, it's, it's physically impossible for us to make these appoint, appointments. So it's, right. it's unfair to use that statistic against us. What is the um, appointment process like right now at the, at the port? Man, I'll tell you, landing an appointment is very tough. So we have uh, people are in our office um, and our team that are just 
all day trying to seek trying to seek appointments, trying to land these appointments. And once you do, you know, that's the hard part, trying to actually coordinate for you to have a chassis available. Uh, most of these terminals won't allow you in Bobtail anymore. You have to have your chassis secured before you in gate. Um, ideally, you want to do a dual transaction, either, you know, have an empty in and a load out or uh, load in and load out, whatnot. So use the chassis. But mm. um, there's such a disruption, too much congestion that terminals are, you know, I, I understand. I think I think every sector in our industry is just pretty much winging it at this point, you know, trying to, trying to just get cargo flowing, um, you know, just bending steel, bending steel. Every single day we come out and we try to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. So um, is is that um, when you're going into these things and you don't have a chassis, you talked about you're not allowed to bobtail in anymore. What, talk about that. What, what is going on there? Is, is this backup more getting the chassis or getting the load after you got the chassis or both? Where is the, and where's the major bottleneck there? I, I, I would say trying to land the chassis. Yeah. Trying to figure out, right? So um, in our case here at Atlas Marine, which, you know, this is where I'm working out of, um, we have, just to give you an idea, half of the containers that we have in storage are empties with no return uh, locations, and they're all taking up a chassis, right? So mm. there's a chassis there, just laying there, right? So uh, we got to figure out how to get these empty removed or you know find a overflow yard or you know just get get these empty containers off our chassis that way we can keep the cargo flowing but i'd say you know it's the chassis situation by far and then no empty uh receiving no empty availability at the ports well someone in the comments says why don't, why don't you just push them off the the chassis i mean i think it's <laughs> just just eat them off chassis i think that might be a little bit a little bit harder but uh, to make that question make a little bit more sense, what is the challenge with just get, getting rid of these empty containers in the past with the steamship lines just just take them away and that's just not happening right now? What What's the issue there? You, you know what? I, it's just the congestion, right? So what we're seeing today, it's something historically never seen before. The rail yards are working at capacity or overcapacity, uh, the storages, the warehouses, the transloading uh, distribution centers, everybody's at overcapacity. There's no storage in yards just to store containers. Uh, warehouses are not accepting the freight. Or the rail yards, they're not taking any more containers because they're at overcapacity. The terminals don't have any space to put these empties, you know, just lay them on the ground. There's no space for them. So it's, it's, it's this issue. Where are we going to store them? Where are we going to store freight? Yeah, so we got all these different pieces, parts to what the problem is right yeah. here, right? And it's arguable where the actual source of it is. It's probably not taking the empty, so you can't empty the container or the the chassis and get them. What is the typical day like for for the person getting into the port and getting out of the port? Walk us through a typical day. What's going on, right? So let's see. For for the truck driver, you know, it's hard to convince a truck driver to bobtail to the port. They they won't do it, especially if it's an independent contractor. So the first question is, ideally, do you have a chassis or do you have an empty for me to go mm -hmm. pull this load out? So once you figure that part out, you send them over to a terminal, you know, and they're sitting in line to engage a terminal, right? Before you even hit the first pedestal to ask for your transaction, ideally, you want to make it on your appointment time. So if you, you say your appointment's at 9 o'clock a.m., 
you, you want to get there at nine. And usually you have a grace period of two hours. So you can end gate half an hour before nine. And then if your appointment time ends at 930, you have about another half an hour after, you know, that's called your grace period. So you want to make it in to your appointment on time or during your grace period. And then basically you're lining up at the terminal again, you know, to for your location, right? So if you have a location inside the port, most likely it's going to be congested and you're waiting in line. It's just a lot of lining up. Lines after lines after lines <laughs> after lines. Hurry up and congestion. wait. Gio, is this weighing? What's what's driver morale like and what's what's worker morale like over at the port? Are people just tapping out? They're like, I've had enough of this life. This is this is I'm sick of waiting around. I mean, everyone's got a breaking point at, yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, first of all, I, I want to take the time and recognize every single truck driver, aka uh, we call them contineros down here, you know, container haulers. Um, they're, they're a tough breed. I have a lot of respect for these, uh, individuals that are out there day in and day out. Um, but you do see some of them, you know, looking at other, you know, niches and trucking, maybe going, uh, dry van or the reefer gang. Uh, but a lot of them that stick around, we stick around to the ports. You know, a lot of us like to stay local. We like, we don't like going too far. We like spending time with our family. So they put in, you know, day in and day out, they, they put up with the congestion, right? They put up with, with all the nonsense sometimes that's going on. And, you know, I, I totally respect every single one of these guys that are in, in gals because we see a lot of gals now that are uh, working at the ports. Well, Gio, you have mentioned on Instagram before your one small fix that you would that you think that the ports could start doing almost immediately and at least at least, at least make it that much more efficient for for that hour. Can you share that suggestion with us? Sure. I, I think uh, if we're referring to the polls, you know, um, one of my suggestions wouldn't be going 24 hours. I, I'd suggest just keep the clock running. Right. Like, don't don't come to the complete stop during lunch hours or during a uh, shift change. Right. So kind of what happens um, and here, you know, I'll, I'll run you through. So the gates open at 7 a.m., but trucks and trucks or truckers won't be serviced until about 8. 8.30, right? And then you have that, that lunch that's between 12 and 1. And then everything stops around 11.45, being kind of modest here. And then the ports pick up back at about 1.15 and in the afternoon. And then after that, you have another shift change from 5 to 6. And the ports will start servicing roughly around, you know, 7 o'clock at night. And then you have that second lunch, which is from 10 to 11. Uh, everything stops about 9.45 and starts picking up at, you know, let's say 11.15 or so after that. So there's too much uh, time, you know, that that we there's too much downtime. We need to keep the cargo flowing. You know, before we try to figure out 24 hours, seven days a week, we need to figure out how we can keep two shifts without coming to a complete stop. Yeah. Yeah, Man. that sounds like exactly right. There's your first step right there. Hey, Gio Mars, thank you for, for giving us your perspective on what's going on down there on the ground in the ports. I think it's a very valuable one. People who want to check out your Instagram, check out Gio Mars underscore TV. You can also find him on LinkedIn. Gio, one more time, thank you. And uh, we're rooting for you over there on the ports, my friend. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Peace. Thanks, Gio.
Hey, now, well, just a second, actually, we got we to gotta tip the band here. Let's uh, do that. With more than 1,500 maintenance bays offering light mechanical services and DOT inspections, Love's Truck Care and Speed Co. are invested in getting your drivers back on the road quickly and safely. Learn more at Tell'em, dude. Go to loves.com. Hate your, hate your CPAP. I uh, do. Headgear head gear and claustrophobia are the number one reason CPAP users are not compliant, putting your CDL and your job at risk. If you haven't tried DreamPort by Bleep, you need to. DreamPort is the only clinically proven leak-free solution, only product made in the USA, and the only headgear-free solution. No headgear, nothing in your nose. Look great and sleep comfortably. Covered by all insurance, it fits all machines. Bed or bleep and sleep to help you keep your CDL. Visit, tell them, dude. Hey, go to bleepsleep.com to find out why Dreamport is rated number one. And now uh, our man on the beat, Brian Runnels. He is the vice president of safety over at Reliance Partners and also the vice president of attending um, industry events, apparently, as well. Hi, Brian. How you doing, guys? I'm, I am uh, enjoying the tour, but a couple more weeks and, and we'll finally be out of it. This week is at the uh, National Tank Truck Council uh, mm-hmm. conference, so it's... Really interesting group of carriers here. Um, obviously, a, a focus on petroleum, dry ball, chemical haulers, uh, very specialized stuff. So they, it's a it's a unique group. Very very good carriers found in this organization. Excellent stuff. So Brian, what is the uh, what is the main topic there so far? Man, I tell you, we just came out of the workforce development um, meeting and. They're putting a lot of time and effort behind finding, keeping, building um, a driver base that is sustainable for the future. There's some very, very good young executives here. And <clears throat> when we look at uh, building apprenticeship programs, and that's one of the subcommittees I'm involved in, and they're also doing work with the Next Gen Trucking Association, uh, which I'm also on the board of directors of. So there, there's a lot of exciting stuff going into getting that grassroots movement going um, to build a good, strong driver base that's sustainable. Because I tell you, you know, we, we talk about the without trucks, America stops. Well, this is one part of the trucking industry that if they stop, we've got big problems. Yeah. Yeah. We had a story on here and I was looking at some of the sessions. We had a story that we did a couple of weeks ago about, Two guys who went in to clean the inside of one of these tanks, and they ended up dying. And I, I did see that there was a, a safe ta- a safe tank washing session going on over there. So good to see that, Brian. Yeah, they you know they they've taken Tank Week. That's what this this part of it's called. And they've taken all of their safety, and they've taken all all of their um, executive meetings and everything, and just kind of built it into this one week of, of sessions and uh, exhibits and, and things like that. So, yeah, there, there's a lot, a lot of topics being covered here over the next couple of days. Yeah, there are. And one of them is, is human trafficking, trafficking as well. I don't know if you saw the story about the container found in, I think it was Guatemala that was oh. full, that was abandoned, full like 156 migrants or something like that. But uh, human trafficking as well. They're talking about that, yes? Yeah, definitely. That was one of the things when I was still on the, the carrier side during our orientation, that was one of the classes or one of the sessions that we put all of our new hires through was the video on truckers against trafficking. And it is so powerful 
what what that video did it was usually shoot it would bring tears it would make people angry and things like that so that movement getting as much momentum as it has with with the major organizations and associations is a is a huge thing for the industry as a whole cuz we you know you can see it over the years you have those unfortunate opportunities where you might be approached or, or something like that and and having the knowledge that's out there now versus what we knew back then um, is a huge advantage to drivers to, to help get these, get these folks back to home where they belong. Yeah. Ransomware seems to be like another big topic that is up there. It seems like every other day there's another ransomware attack being um, published on freightwaves.com. So I know that that's a, especially when we talk about ha- hazmat and hazardous oh, sure. and, and yeah. whatever tankers are pulling big issue. Yeah. Big issue. It, it, cybersecurity infrastructure ransomware uh all that is going to be addressed as well and you know it's there's even insurance coverages now for for some of that ransomware and and cyber attacks and things like that and i think we just who was it it was martin it wasn't on the tanker side but i think martin just got hit yeah with a cyber attack yeah brian so, so yeah you, that that's definitely a discussion as well well brian uh, before we let you go what do you hope to get out of there and what do you hope to impart on the people at the event you know, my, my big part of it was with, was this workforce committee, um, obviously seeing friends and, uh, associates and, and, um, even some competition to, to find out what's going on in their head around this, this organization. But I I'm really focused on this workforce part of it. And quite honestly, I, I talked about that at TCA. We're going to talk about it at the ATA in a couple of weeks, um, so it's just going to be an ongoing thing. It's an exciting part of the industry to be involved in. So that's my big focus this week. Wow. Is nobody awake yet over there? Go wake them up, Brian. I, I don't see anybody moving around. Go, go watch them. You're right. I'm, well, I'm sitting in kind of a mezzanine area, so you can't see anything what's going on below me. But the exhibit hall is right down there. Uh, people are starting to mosey in that direction. And, and lunch is over here on my other side. So um yeah i'm gonna shut this computer down and go get something to eat when i'm done okay well, Brian, we'll let you get to it thank you so much for for uh giving us uh, the word on the street over there we appreciate it hey uh does your uh does are you an amazon seller in need of an emergency room our next guest leslie hensel she is the co-founder at riverbend consulting and that is what they do they came on our radar when we were talking about that seattle Times story with, I believe it was like Chuka Cherries, and their, yeah, that's their, their cherries got kicked off. And they've been like a 13, 17-year seller. I don't know. They've been selling for de- like over a decade, yeah, and they randomly long, got long kicked time. off. Well, Leslie's here with us now. Leslie, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me on. Leslie, I follow a lot of uh, Amazon sellers these days, especially on Twitter, and they they do they either complain a lot, or is it just a nightmare selling it on Amazon right now? Because it's, oh, it's just one thing after the other that these accounts are bringing up. It is definitely very challenging. Um, People get suspended on a regular basis. What happens more often, though, is instead of your entire account being taken down like Chuka Cherries, is you'll have individual items that you sell on the platform get taken down. So you have to appeal to Amazon and say, hey, wait, that's a big seller. Let me have it back. 
um, and try and get those reinstated. And then if you have enough of those pile up where they're taking down individual product after individual product, then your account becomes at risk. And uh, we have clients who are some of the biggest sellers in, on Amazon who do hundreds of millions of dollars a year on the platform who've been suspended. Wow. So it's not just the little guys that are doing this, obviously, Leslie. And by the way, welcome to the welcome to the show. Nice to have you on here. What is what what in your opinion, what what is going on? Uh, why does this happen? Is it a security thing that they're trying to, to, to solve and they're just not efficient at it? Why does Amazon just come in and say, hey, Leslie, no more cherries. You can't sell any more cherries. What's going on? There are really two sides to this. On one side, there's the risk management processes at Amazon that are completely re If you have a lot of complaints about a seller, that they're not shipping out the items, that it's not coming on time, that it's actually counterfeit, they're not selling what they say that they're right. selling, of course, Amazon should suspend their account, right? Because they're protecting their customers. And they're also protecting all of the other hundreds of thousands of Amazon sellers who still want those customers to trust the platform. But then on the other side is where Amazon has false positives. They really trust their algorithms at Amazon. Mm. And like in the Chuka Cherry story, their algorithm gave them bad data. The algorithm told them, hey, these guys are linked to this account in China that was suspended. So we're going to take them down. And unfortunately, the frontline people at Amazon who read the appeals of the sellers, when you write in and say, hey, this is why you should let me back on the platform, they do not feel empowered to override one of these algorithms. They've been told the algorithm is always right. So it makes getting back on very I thought it was difficult. The, I thought it was the customers always right. Yeah. This is like Sandra Bullock <laughs> in the net, not to date myself over here, but like <laughs> the customer is I, always right. I, these robot overlords, you know, they're overstepping their bounds. If you ask me if it's the, the algorithm's always right, but how, you know, cause we, th you may brought up a good point. We as consumers, we always think about the algorithm. Well, I, I want to search for X item. I hope it delivers me yeah. good results. Um, and anyone who's been selling on Amazon, they will know that Amazon's results have been kind of spotty, right? Like I was talking to you about, we were talking about toys. Everyone's talking about how you can't get toys and Amazon's not been good for finding like Legos or Hasbro yeah. toys or anything like that. You're better off just going to those sites sites but i talked to all these other sellers and they're like these measures are so punitive um are we in danger of having like these robot overlord algorithms take over or have they already especially if you're on amazon so in most with a complete account suspension where the whole account goes down a human being does actually look at the data before they take the account down now that's a training problem Amazon has a lot of overseas employees who don't get the kind of one-on-one -on -one training that they necessarily need. They have a lot of turnover here in the U.S. and elsewhere. So a lot of times, frankly, I think it's due to bad training and that people are not really taught how to look at the data in a fair way. Um, if the machine tells the employee this is a problem, they tend to believe the machine. But an employee is actually clicking the suspend button. Now, when it comes to those individual products, they get taken down a lot of those. It is a machine, especially for restricted products. So like, for example, at the beginning of COVID, they were taking down all of the face masks out there um, because they wanted to approve people who were selling face masks. So when they took down like the surgical masks, they also took down the beauty masks and they took down Halloween masks. They took down all the masks. These are the kinds of things that the algorithm does incorrectly. Absolutely. That's absolutely, absolutely crazy. So, uh, Leslie, you guys, once I'm in the uh, once I'm in the uh, emergency room, you guys help me. Is there ways for me to stay out of the emergency room or I'm just 
going to not, one day I'm just going to wake up there and I need you. Absolutely. Actually, that's kind of what we specialize in because we have clients who are with us on a month to month basis that we're helping them all the time. So what we tell them is to look at their own account, the way that Amazon is looking at their account. We have ex Amazon employees on staff and that's what they're doing to try and prevent our clients Mm. from getting in trouble. You can do the same thing if you own an account. So run your returns reports, look at your feedback, look at the reviews on your products and look at them the way Amazon does. My quickest, best piece of advice for any Amazon seller, always look for whatever ASIN, that's an individual item on the platform, is performing the worst. Not in your opinion, or not because you think customers are dumb, but because it's the data Amazon has. So those return reports will really show you what single product do you have that's giving you the most problems. Fix it, then move to the next one. Fix it. There's enough data in your account that's responses from customers when they've returned the items and notes that Amazon has taken when the people have returned items to give you some clues to fix those before they become a problem with Amazon. Mm. You know, Amazon's advice. like in that, that Facebook territory where so many people like talk smack about it and so many people hate it, but it's like this necessary evil. I mean, we saw when Facebook was down, I believe it was mm-hmm. 27% of non-Amazon e-tail. That was the ship here numbers. 27% of non-Amazon e-tail. Those numbers were down just in the four hours Facebook was down. And, and so is Amazon. But let me ask you this then. So holiday season's coming up. If you're a small seller, is Amazon still a platform small sellers can go on? Or has it just become such a tough environment on the logistics supply chain and even the compliance side to uh, to really deal with them? For small sellers, it really is worth it to be on Amazon. I've sold on Amazon for 11 years, and I am the first person to criticize Amazon for its failed processes, for difficulty with logistics in the warehouse, um, because I see all of the problems every day. That's my job is the problems. However, that being said, there is no other site where someone who's doing this as a small seller, where it's a side gig, or it's in addition to and you don't have a lot of people and money to invest, Amazon has spent all the marketing dollars for you. So if you follow the rules and you're really careful, most of the time, the small guys are not going to get caught in the crosshairs. And if they have an individual item come up, a, a, a single problem, there are resources out there like us and other similar companies that can help them. But I just don't see another avenue for doing the volume you can do on Amazon with, frankly, as little work as you can do to get that volume, especially during peak. Amazon wants small sellers during peak because it expands the selection on the platform. And without those small sellers, they could never offer all of the toys and games and other Christmas presents that they want up there in December. Excellent, excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Leslie. Uh, first time on the show. Go to Wheel of Stupid. Wheel. Let's Throw do it. the Wheel of Stupid questions. We got it. We actually got this off Amazon. I, I forget what the A-I-S, is it A-S-I-N? I forget what that was on this particular item, but right, that was a good go. deal. Here it is. Here it is. Are you ready? You're stuck on a cross-country road trip with a very talkative stranger. Would you rather they be a hustle culture guru or a LuLaRoe seller? <laughs> Gotta go with the hustle culture guru because I'm telling you, in the Amazon world, I am so used to that. Hustle culture is everything for Amazon sellers, so it can just go right over my head. There you go. I can just I can just go with it all day long. 
Take That's the evil true. you know. With the Lularoo, you might be distracted. They might talk you into joining the the uh, the, the, the cult. Like, it was a cult, right? Call it a pyramid no. scheme. We were you joining the uh, the MLM or whatever they call. <laughs> yeah, that could be tough. Hey, how do people learn more about Riverbend Consulting? Come check us out at riverbendconsulting.com. We have a phone number there where actual human beings will wow. answer your call and talk to you about Amazon. Right. And in addition, I am on LinkedIn where I serve up content every single day about selling on Amazon. Thank you so much. And thanks for not trying to sell us uh, some leggings like some Lula Rose. We appreciate it. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. And uh, yeah, if you need to go to the emergency room, and I know a lot of you do with uh, Amazon season coming up, you don't want to eat yeah. downtime, go check her out. Thank That's you right. once again. All right, little big deal, little deal. Let's do it. Big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to be with the Lula Rose seller either because they would probably guilt you into wanting to sell the stuff. And if you didn't sell it, they would probably want you to join their tree right they would want you to join their network yeah and you by the time you get to your destination you got fifteen thousand dollars in inventory you yeah can't in outflow. leggings right <laughs> in leggings, i won't right. even know what to do with them all right well is this a big deal or a little deal let's see this is from the wisconsin state patrol they said um let's see a vi- let's take a look at this vehicle yeah the vehicle spilled there over here and the beer went everywhere this was on i-94 <laughs> in jackson county it was a semi rollover nobody was injured though so that's the good news big that deal or little deal I think we go with a little deal. No one was injured, and Line of Kugels isn't, uh, you know, it's not my big thing. I mean, if this was like uh, some Lagunitas or something like that, it would be a big deal. Well, I'm going little deal. Okay, it's a big deal. Dick Line and Kugel, he went to Twitter <laughs> to mention this, and he said, glad to hear the driver's okay, but sad to hear the truckload of Line and Kugels. Toasted Bach is a total loss. <laughs> Toasted Bach. I mean, that's what it is. You know. How does one get declared a total loss in the uh, beer game? I think that that's does it that, right there. There, right there. Just wait. You're flip. saying that it was already a total loss when it was poured as in the soon can? as it fell over, it became a total loss. Okay, I think it is. But it is. It's pretty cool that Dick came out and said, "Hey, man, fell yeah. over. We get it out there." I so. mean, I don't drink, so that that you know that does nothing for me. But there I'm you sure go. Somebody would want those. Yeah, they probably yeah. do. Yeah, that's why there's a whole truckload. Here's a big deal, little deal for you. So, sure. Fox 32 Chicago reports a man orders 100 tacos on his first date. Okay. And asks a woman to pay for them. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So a TikToker, Elise Meyer, says it was her worst first date ever, Dooner. He, so she goes out. The guy mm-hmm. says, hey, I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. Let's go to dinner. She, he he yeah. directs her to a Taco Bell. Orders 100 tacos. Oh, I don't have a wallet. Can you buy them for me? Sure. Where should we eat these? Let's go home and eat them with my dad. Okay. You know why this is a big deal? Because it's fake. What are you doing, Fox 32 Chicago, reporting this TikTok? Like, it's the news. Like, you expect me to believe. I'm sorry, Elise, but I don't believe that you went on Tinder. She was on Uh, Tinder. Yeah, sure. Why not? Trying to find a date. You go to pick up this random guy in front of his house. He says he doesn't have his keys. This doesn't tip you off. Then he starts giving you directions to a Taco Bell. This doesn't tip you off. You're at a Taco Bell. This doesn't tip you off. You're at the drive-thru. This doesn't tip you off. He reaches over. He says, order 100 tacos. Yeah, you don't go, why? I'm not that hungry. I've worked in a fast food drive-thru before. If you ask 100 tacos, too, they're going to ask you to pull over. It's not like they just have 100 tacos just sitting around. In 15 minutes, she says they made them in 15 minutes. In 15 minutes. minutes, And she fronted all of the money, and that was just her She fronted $150 for for 100 tacos they made in 15 minutes. I think this story is a total lie. I agree with you. I don't think this story is real at all. (laughs) I think it's a big deal that Fox 32 is propagating these these lies from TikToker, these alleged lies by TikToker Elise Myers. Yeah, I don't. I I saw the video here uh, prepping for this, and I don't believe she's silly enough to fall for any one of those. At at the very first sign of trouble, she would have skated. At least. And it's not an insult that we're saying you're a liar. We're saying it because we think that you seem much smarter than that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. It's beneath you. 
Don't spread these I would type think of rumors. Yeah, don't spread such <laughs> rumors about yourself and taco dates. All right, how about this one? Target employees at a Michigan distribution center are upset about some misfortune cookies they received, which they feel make light of the small raise that they just received. Uh, this is an interesting situation. So at this Target, all these Target yeah. employees, they got wind that, ooh, maybe you're going to get a raise for the holiday season. Yeah. And they yeah. all had some number in mind. Right. Um, I guess it wasn't two dollars because they were they only got two dollars an hour raise. They were disappointed with that number, yeah. and then they had a party to celebrate. And some of the fortune cookies said something like, "What was one of them?" Uh, oh, I, um, I see money in your future. It is not yours though. Uh, <laughs> the fortune you seek is in another cookie. Uh, this cookie fell on the ground. Why would I want to eat that? Uh, <laughs> what well, a big deal, little deal. It's a huge deal, man. You don't you don't make these kind of mistakes if you're Target. I mean, what, who did, oversight was unbelievable here. Well, I mean, two dollar, and then you get well, two dollar raise are all upset. So hey, we're gonna give them a snack. I, I, you know, I know they didn't write the actual fortunes inside the cookies or anything like that, dude. But sure. seriously, two dollar. Okay, buy me some uh, sandwiches or something. Fortune cookies to make up for only a, a raise that we were all expecting something better for. I, I don't know. It's like getting half a lump of coal from, uh, from, uh, you know, if you're cratchit. Yeah, well, he's out of that too. Well, I got to tell you something here. So, I, I don't know what number they had in mind. The two dollars, I, I don't. Target seemed that they would think it was generous. I, I don't think that, like, I see money in your future. It's not yours, though. I think they're probably just trying to be funny fortune cookies. They weren't like you're saying. They weren't trying to sabotage them. Yeah, no, they bought funny fortune cookies. They didn't know what was going to be in them. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can get too mad about. I think that's that kind of reading into something here. Okay. The best fortune I ever got though was, um, do not smell the inside of a hat. Never smell the inside of a hat. Usually smart move. Especially yeah, the right. hat. <laughs> There's a Especially if it's not yours. <laughs> spokesperson said in an email, we provided snacks to the team this week, including the fortune cookies with pre-printed message on them. We've looked into this and they're confident. Target didn't target the employees. They didn't, they didn't write them themselves. No so. targeting by target. Okay, that's cool. The review shows no targeting. Here's a big deal, little deal for you, man. This is called Xavier, what? which is ro- Xavier is a robot in Singapore. Then they're equipped with seven cameras that enable them to detect undesirable social behavior. You're looking at one right there. Yeah. Uh, for instance, if you incorrectly park your bike, Dune, or your Vespa, whatever, if you smoke in an unauthorized area, or if your social distancing is not being respected, they will chase you down and hunt you, man. They yeah, will hunt you down. I think we got chasing? a video of one of these, too. This is Terminus. Check out Terminus here. Okay, so that's a different robot right there. But here's the thing. It's an example, though, man. Yeah, well, I, I feel like these delivery bots are the same thing. They're like, you know how your ring doorbell is tied into law enforcement and they share all that message? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, sure all these, like, delivery things are going to be taking your information and giving them to law enforcement. Like, is that even a conspiracy theory? That just seems like what's going to no, happen. No, it's what's going to happen, yeah. Uh, people in Singapore, they said it, it reminded them of uh, RoboCop. They were getting very, and th- this is a great point. Um, Franny Teo, she said, it brings to mind a dystopian world of robots. I'm just a bit hesitant about that kind of concept. And she says, but I think what's more dystopian is the fact that them just being around is being normalized and people aren't just throwing them into, you know, the, the rivers. Yeah, and you're like, no big deal. Like, well, there it is. No big deal. I don't know. Don't get chased by any robot. Any robot narcs out there. I'm Dooner. Find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere, my friends.